Brother Baker, you come. We love Brother Baker. Thank God for him. He's going to come and give the charge to Blackwater Baptist Church tonight. Thank you, preacher. Appreciate that. I'm going to lay these aside if that's all right. Good evening, folks. All right. It's certainly good to uh, see what's going on here at Woodland tonight. You know, when Elisha was called, they killed two oxen, and out of that oxen could have come 1,300 stakes and invited the whole community over, had a big party. Amen? But I'm glad that we recognize men that God's hand is on. Amen? And, uh, you know, Brother Greg, Miss Renee, I'm, a, I'm honored to be a little part of this tonight. And, you know, behind every good man is a surprise mother-in-law. But anyway... But uh, he's, they've been here at Woodland all these years. Woodland's, they've been influenced by Woodland's preaching. Amen. They've been influenced by Woodland's people and their opportunity to serve here. And uh, this church is releasing them to go to you folks there at Blackwater. Amen. He's got me talking about Whitewater. Blackwater. And I've gone up and preached for him one time, and they're wonderful people, and he's fortunate to pastor a good group of people just like that. But before we really begin... I feel like I need to uh, give you a few things here about Greg Hall. First of all, he's a wonderful man. He has a brilliant mind above most. Blackwater Baptist Church is very, very fortunate to get him. He is the best preacher of all the preachers who've ever gone out of Woodland. And he's, um, Brother Greg, I can't read your handwriting. I'm sorry. I'll read that part next time if you want me to, okay? <laughs> Turning your Bibles quickly to Ephesians chapter 4, and I've got to behave myself on time tonight. Ephesians 4, I love the church, don't you? Amen. I love Woodland Baptist Church. Amen. I love God's churches, and I'll tell you what, he loves God, his churches because he was willing to let his son die for the church, amen? And so it's a joy to me to say a few words to Blackwater and, of course, actually to everybody here tonight. But, uh, well, I want, to, I want to speak to you about God's gift tonight, God's gift, just for a few minutes. And uh, have you ever heard anybody say, maybe about a young man, well, well, he thinks he's God's gift to women. Anybody ever heard something like that? I had a guy that said something the other day about his pastor. He said, my preacher thinks he's God's gift to the church. I said, well, man, he is. He is God's gift to the church. You knew that, didn't you? Look, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. I just want to read a few verses. And we'll begin at, uh, let's begin at verse eight, uh, 7, rather. I think I told the guys 8, but we'll begin at 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, when Jesus went back to heaven, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth, he that descended is the same also that ascended far above, uh, far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Now he's going to tell you about some gifts that he gave to his church. Now, we all have a gift. Every Christian has a, has a gift. But this is not spiritual gifts like the gift of mercy or whatever. These are people that God gives to his church. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then he goes on down and talks about 
if these men function properly, then it'll build up, it'll build up the church. It'll protect the church from false doctrine. Uh, uh, There'll be a lot of love in that church, and there'll be unity according to verse number 16. So he prophesied that he would do that all the way over in Jeremiah. Listen to this verse. He said, I'll give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you knowledge and understanding. So to perfect the saints, look at verse number 12. This changed my life as a young preacher and how I saw ministry. Why did God give me to his church as a gift? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, to perfect means to enable somebody, to equip somebody, to help somebody become all that God wants them to be. And so, and I'm not preaching to Greg, but I just want his church to know that that's his responsibility to you. Uh, Blackwater Baptist Church, he, 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 he is to equip you to serve the Lord. Why? Because he's not the one that does all the work of the ministry. You're to do the work of the ministry. Every Christian is involved in ministry. I know, I know everybody hadn't been called to be a preacher or whatever, but everybody's involved in ministry. And I'm going to tell you what. Paul, we talk about how great Paul was, and he was, amen. He was a chosen vessel of God. But do you realize that there's someone, almost a hundred people mentioned that helped him? And he could have never been what he was without God's people being a part of doing the work of the ministry and encouraging him and praying for him and helping him. And church, love your pastor, pray for your pastor, and we're going to give you a few other things that you ought to do with them, amen? And I want you to now turn, now that you know he's, your, he's a gift to you, amen? Look, if you would, at uh, Hebrews chapter 13. We'll look at a, just one verse here probably. Look at Hebrews 13, and the preacher's going to come behind here and preach us a sermon. Look at Hebrews chapter number 13 and verse number 7. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 7, Remember them, he's talking to the believers now, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, that's the preacher, whose faith follow, considering the end. In other words, the purpose of their conversation. That word conversation means manner of life. And uh, so we, we got to work. I'm going to challenge you tonight to remember Brother Greg and his wife, but especially as we think about the man of God. How do you treat a gift that God gives you? You know, when people give me a gift, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm surprised they, they care that much about me to give me a gift. But what about the gifts that God gives? Man, you've got to receive that gift, amen, with gladness and joy because God never gives bad gifts. He always give good, gives good gifts. And so the Bible says here, as you remember them, you've got to consider them. The word remember means to be mindful of. And I'm going to challenge you to get to know your preacher and his wife Get to know them well. Now, don't, don't be busybodies and nosy and all that stuff, but know them well enough that you'll know what they need. Always be thoughtful. Always be considerate to your pastor. Now, he's no better than you are. Amen? Amen, Brother Greg? You know, we don't have this hierarchy that the Roman Catholic Church has where the priests and the popes up here and the laities down here. Brother, we all in the same family. We're all sheep of Jesus. Amen? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge the church there, and while, while Willie can hear this and do the same thing with their pastor, but consider his time. Try to do things so that your preacher don't have to do them. Now, I know his heart. His heart is he's going to do everything if he can. He's going to do everything. 
But he don't need to do everything. You remember when they called the, uh, uh, the apostles that came together and they were going to choose deacons out in Acts chapter 6? And they said, well, listen, it's not reasonable that we go serve tables. We're going to choose out some men to do that. Were they saying they were too good to do that, Brother Greg? No, they weren't too good. Listen, I'll guarantee you this pastor right here, I know I have and any other pastor that's worth five cents, Brother Sam has. If the commode runs over, I'm going to go fix, try to get it up. Whatever I need to do, that's what I'm going to do. But church, give him time, not only with his wife and family, but give him time to do the work of the ministry, and you'll be doing the work of the ministry. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, give him time to study. You know it takes as much time to study for a sermon if you're preaching to 25 or 30 or 50 as it does to preach to 1,000. It takes the same amount of time to prepare a message. And he needs to be on his knees praying for you folks. So what you've got to do is you've got to do the things that, so he don't do things so he don't have to do them. And, and you'll, you'll know exactly what that is. When you consider him, consider the burden and the load that he carries. I wrote down a few things that preachers do. They will lead you, they will teach you, they will preach to you. You listen and learn from them. They'll challenge you, they'll pray for you, they'll watch for your soul, and they're on a 24-7 call. Brother preachers, you say, well, preacher, I know what my preacher does on Sundays. That's the easy part. <laughs> That's the fun part. Uh, love, love, your, love your pastor and his wife. He's going to exhort you. Hey, he's going to correct you. Don't be offended when he corrects you using the Word of God. Hey, the, the, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. Amen? Amen? So there'll be times when he'll have to rebuke you. He'll help guide you. He'll bury your dead. He'll marry your young and foolish. I mean young. And uh, then he'll comfort you. You know, I found out early in ministry that one of my responsibilities as a pastor was to comfort those that were troubled and to trouble those that were too comfortable. Amen? So it works both ways. He's got to oversee the church. He's going to be a counselor. He's going to be a problem solver. He's going to cry with those who cry. He's going to, he's going to rejoice with those who rejoice. He's going to be an advisor to you. You say, preacher, well, well no man can do those, all those things. I know it. Paul said we're not sufficient for such things. But our sufficiency is of God. And so God's going to help your pastor, but you're going to do everything you can to help your pastor. Amen? Boy, we need to do that. Praise the Lord. He's going to be a bearer of good news. He may be a bearer of some bad news. I don't know why, but I was just coming through Rural Hall just a few minutes ago, and I, I was right there past Coronet. I looked over there at, uh, usually I don't see nothing but Coronet, you know. I just see that. But anyway, I saw those apartments, and I remember Francis Fanchler. In fact, some of his family used to go to Woodland many, many years ago at the old property. But Miss Fancher was an elderly lady, and her husband was elderly. And she had a boy in our church, Gray Fancher, and he was, a, he was a good brother. And she had another son that was just a mess. Boy, I mean, he was a drunk and everything. And I'd pray with her about her son. And I'll never forget when I got the call and, uh, that Bobby had been beaten to death. And they had cut his throat cut his wrist and throwed him in a ditch and left him. That's where they found him. And me and Gray had to walk up that walk as I saw his mama, old mama, and his old daddy sitting there in that lawn chair outside one of them little apartments. And when she saw the preacher during the day with Gray, she said, oh, what's happened to Bobby? And she began to weep. 
And I thought, Lord, this is not the kind of thing I like to do as a preacher. <laughs> I like to deliver good news. But let me tell you, brother, your pastor is going to deliver good and bad. You need to pray for him, amen, that God will help him and God will strengthen him. And not only does the word remember to be mindful of, but it means to think about and feel for a person when you remember them. It's talking about some compassion. He has needs just like you have needs. He has difficult. You know, I've always said a preacher is a unique person with unique problems <laughs> that nobody else has sometimes. And then he also, that same word remember, has the idea of make mention of. So it's talking about talking about. So you make sure that you are careful about what is said about your pastor. Now let me tell you, there's nothing any worse than a lowdown, excuse me, than a, than a person that will gossip and criticize the pastor. When he, and especially when he don't know what he's talking about. But if he does, he still ought not do that. And you know, God provides a way to discipline a pastor if a pastor needs discipline. You all know that. I, I remember I was in a restaurant one day and I was passing preacher, I was passing by a table and they were talking so loud. They had just gotten out of church and they were eating. And they were, I mean, boy, they were frying. They were cooking their pastor. They were eating pastor for lunch and how sorry he was and the church was. And that was their church. And I wanted so bad. You know, the Lord don't let me do a lot of things. <laughs> but I wanted to stop and say, is, is your pastor in church that bad? I said, listen, I'm glad I heard that. I'll make sure that I don't ever go to y'all's church and I'll tell everybody in town that I see, stay away from that church. Maybe it would have embarrassed them, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. But be careful how you listen to things. Somebody has a, has a rumor or a gossip about your pastor, say, I'm not going to listen to it. It'll stop it. You know, you know why some gossips gossip all the time? Because there's people that listen to them. So what you have to do is say, you got something about my pastor? Take them by the elbow and lead them right to the preacher. And then say, preacher, by the way, so-and-so's got something against you here, and I'm going to leave you here, and I'm going to wait outside. I tell you what I'll do, it'll stop their mouths. You can ruin a man, listen, you can, you can ruin a man's reputation with your tongue. And I know none of these folks over there, but you might find somebody that does. Amen. And then not only the word remember, but look in that verse 7 again. Remember them which have the uh -oh, rule over you. The rule. The rule. Now that's talking about leadership over you. Leadership. Um, just because some preachers abuse their leadership over a church, and they do. I know churches that have abused pastors. I know pastors that have abused churches. But... Uh, let me tell you something. Just because pastors, some pastors have abused that, God has given the office of a pastor some authority so he can lead. Now, never should a preacher, we're not dictators. A pastor's not a dictator. In fact, I believe the best description I've ever heard of him is a servant leader. He is not the head of the church. He is the pastor. He's the leader. He's the overseer. But Jesus is the head of the church. And you realize that, but he is your leader underneath the Lord Jesus. We call that an under-shepherd. And so you respect him because guess who called him? God called him. Out of 7.8 billion people, God called him. And he, he only called one person out of 708 billion to be your pastor. And I know you're going to love him and he's going to love you. And there's nothing like a church and a pastor that fit. 
I'm telling you there's something wonderful about that, and I'm sure that's going to happen. Not only does he have responsibilities towards you, but you have some toward him. Leadership. And by the way, he's the pastor. A deacon's not a pastor. And I don't know a thing about, so if I'm saying something here that sounds like I'm picking at something, I don't know a thing about y'all except I enjoyed being with you a few weeks ago. But anyway, a deacon's not, not, a deacon's not the pastor. A charter member is not the pastor. Amen. Amen. Somebody with a lot of money in your church and influence, he's not the pastor. Brother Greg's your pastor. And that's who you listen to and that's who you follow. That's what you do. And it's the man that does what? Preaches. That's what he said. He's spoken to you the Word of God. You know how you'll do most of your leadership, Brother Greg? Through preaching. Most of your leadership will be done through preaching. And they'll know exactly what you believe and why you believe it. Amen? And then... um, I'm going to skip a few things here. But anyway, you can't have but one pastor is what I was getting at. And he's the man. He's the man. A home has one husband. A school has one principal. A company has one president. A police department has one chief. Amen. And so Christ has placed Brother Greg. And y'all called him, by the way. He's, and he's been called by God, but you've called him to your church. And by the way, I believe you're getting a good man and a good pastor's wife. And so just love, just love them, amen? Now, he's going to preach to you, and he's going to preach some things that are not going to be pleasant. Now, we preachers had rather preach what I call fun sermons. But I got sermons I preach sometimes are not fun sermons. I'm not jumping up and down and happy when I leave church. I don't like to preach them, to be honest with you, but I know I have to. And you'll have to do that, Brother Greg, and y'all have to take it. <laughs> amen? As long as he's in the Word, brother, that's, that's the main thing. As long as he's in the Word. And, and some of his preaching is going to be like honey. And some of it's going to be like a knife that will cut you. Oh, it will cut you deep. But if it's God's Word, that's what you need. Amen? That's what we all need. There'll be times that Brother Greg will have to plow real close to the corn. <laughs> in fact, it will shake the stalk sometimes. He'll have to break up fallow ground. He'll have to do all those things. So humble yourself. And, be, and he's not a mean man, by the way. Well, I don't know. Renee, it, <laughs> she was questioning that when I said that. But anyway, uh, humble yourself and learn to grow under your preacher's preaching. Then the last thing, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to verse 7? As you remember them and take them into consideration, and they're going to rule or lead you, that those who've spoken you the word of God, whose faith do what? Follow. You're going to follow them. Now listen, you're not calling a bad man, so you shouldn't have any reason not to follow him. And Paul did say, follow me as I follow Christ, and I'm sure you'd say the same thing. But you follow the man of God, and uh, his faith and his life will be an example to you, to be a testimony to you. By the way, he's not perfect, and if you don't believe that, ask Miss Renee, and she will be glad to fill you in on some of his imperfections. Not too many of them now, Renee. Everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses. So when your preacher fails, when he comes up short, at least in your opinion of it, and he will, listen, love him anyway. You know, I I remember when I went to the church I pastored for all those years, I was 26 years old when I went there. And the people, you know, I made some bad mistakes the first year. And I still make them, still make them today. But those people still love me, and they let me grow as the church grew, and we grew together and God give us a wonderful, wonderful bond 
And I praise the Lord for that. But follow, follow, follow. And uh, because what's his purpose, verse number 7? Considering the end of their, speaking of the preacher's, conversation or life. What's his goal? What's his end purpose? His end purpose is to help you. To help you to be everything God wants you to be. He's going to be a man. God's going to give him a vision. Usually God leads through the preacher, and then the preacher will lead you to do God's will in the direction of the church. And so Brother Greg's going to have to get him a vision of what God wants for that church. And don't think, well, I'm, we're up in Arap, preacher. You know there's not much can happen. Let me tell you something. The sky is the limit, Brother Greg. And if those people will get behind you and do the work of the ministry and pray for you, and I'm talking about pray for them. I remember several, and I'm fixing to quit, preacher. But uh, I remember when, uh, my goodness, it's been 25 years ago at least, I came down with something in my hip. Doctors couldn't find it, did exploratory surgery. And uh, finally, old Dr. Billings over here at Rural Hall said, I'm going to send you to get a, a scan. And he said, uh, might be a little cancer in your hip. A little cancer in your hip. That's a good way to say it, ain't it? And I said, uh, I said, well, if it is, how, how will that, how will that thing I'm going to do? They put isotopes in you and then do a scan later. He said, well, if it is, it'll, it'll, it'll glow like a light bulb. He said it'll draw that stuff to it wherever the cancer is at. So I'll never forget. I got off the table after having the scan, and I know they're not supposed to tell me this. I said, how'd my scan look? He said, your hip glowed like a light bulb. I thought, my soul, I've got cancer. <laughs> I got cancer in my hip. I didn't want to tell my wife, and I would, I would, but anyway, and uh, so I called my assistant pastor. He was the second one after telling my wife. I told my assistant pastor, and that night they had an all-night prayer meeting. An all-night prayer meeting. They called to pray for their preacher. Now, did I have cancer to start with? I don't have a clue, but I know one thing: I never had cancer. Either I had it and God took it, or I never had it. But either way, hallelujah, amen. So you just pray for him. You protect him from gossip and slander. Pay attention to what he says and when he's preaching. Provide, By the way, provide for his needs as much as you can. And uh, follow him and help him do the work of the ministry. And, uh, and by the way, this is not preacher worship. This is the Bible, okay? All right, God bless you. Pastor. Well, that's good, wasn't it? I was enjoying that myself, just hearing all that. Probably won't be too awful much longer. I'll have to go and get me a pastor somewhere, and that's good. That's good preaching to me now. Hey, you follow that guy. You love him. Pray for him. And uh, so uh, I appreciate the good word of God and uh, what the Lord did in that message tonight. Well, right before the second message, we've got the trios going to come and sing for us at this time. Uh, one of our trios, if you all are ready, they're going to sing for us, and then we'll have our second message here and it'll be real short, I promise.
right, thank you. That's a blessed one. Well, I'm glad I've been to Calvary, and I thank the Lord for that, and glad to be saved tonight. Well, uh, if you will, I want you to take your Bible real fast and to join me in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18 tonight, page number uh, 412, if you have an old Schofield Bible, 1 Kings chapter 18. In just a moment, I'd like to read just a verse or two from this text and to bring a thought, a thought from the Word of God tonight. While you're finding your place there, boy, our buses today did a good job on a soggy, rainy, damp, drizzly, pouring, whatever, however you want to say it. Boy, they did a good job uh, getting folks to church this morning. Listen, now four weeks ago, we hadn't even started, we hadn't run our buses in seven months uh, up to four weeks ago. We had 308 riders on our church buses this morning, and that is a great job on a rainy uh, Sunday morning. And the going out, that represents a whole lot of work yesterday. And, of course, uh, you know, the success of the day is determined by the work yesterday, and they did a great job. Listen to this. Uh, 308 riders. Our West Winston route had 16 riders. Kernersville route had seven. The South Winston route had 22. Greensboro route 29. The Rural Hall route 29. Mount Mary Route 18, uh, the Murray Road Route 37, the Adult Assistance Route 4, uh, Pofftown Route 37, the Ogburn Station Route had 20, Siloam had 9, and throw in two or three Spanish routes. We have 308 riders, and praise the Lord for those who were saved and baptized on the other side of the building. I appreciate all the hard work that went in to our bus, a bus ministry this morning. And can I just real fast say this? I appreciate not only all that hard work, but then, of course, getting the crowd back home, getting them fed, taking care of, uh, care of them, uh, the nursery workers, children's church workers. Uh, it takes a whole lot of people to take care of that crowd, and our crowd did a good job of doing that. And if you appreciate the hard work in the bus ministry, would you say amen? amen. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Brother Greg Hall has been a blessing to me in my life. You probably don't know this, but uh, and I don't make a big deal about this, but you know, there's a lot of times I go off and preach somewhere during the week, and you never even know I'm gone, uh, you know, maybe Tennessee or Georgia or somewhere, and I'll go preach somewhere, and I've got in the habit of where if I'm just preaching a night or two, I'll drive back and forward, uh, maybe over Tennessee or down to Georgia. I preached three or four nights on the coast recently. It's about four and a half hours one way, and I just drove back and forward every night. I like to sleep in my own bed, and I like to go to Chick-fil-A in the morning. And and so uh, I, I just drive back and forth. Well, Brother Greg has become my traveling partner uh, over those times, and he rides with me to Georgia. and, and or to ten We went to Tennessee a couple of weeks ago, about seven hours over there, preached that night, jumped in the car, seven hours back home. And uh, so he's become my traveling companion, and I love him dearly. We've had some great fellowship, got lost several times, had great fellowship. And uh, I remember one time not long ago, I preached down on the coast, or I thought I was supposed to, and drove four and a half hours to get there. When we got to the stoplight where the church was sitting on the left-hand side of the road, wasn't anybody in the parking lot. I got my dates wrong. It's the next week I was supposed to be there. So we rode down there, got us a nice cheeseburger, rode back home. And uh, so a long way to eat for a cheeseburger. But he's become a traveling partner. And we've had a great time of fellowship. We've talked about life and preaching. And, and uh, now the Lord's called him out to preach. I'm having to hunt me another travel companion now. But I sure love Brother Greg and Miss Renee Hall. They have truly been a blessing. They've been in this church. Brother Greg, I think, is 60 years old or right around there. And for 60 years of his life, he's been a member of what I'm not saying not a member. Of course, he had to get saved, get baptized, become a member. But he's been here. He's attended Woodland Baptist Church. Miss Renee's the same thing. I'm sure Brother Richard and Miss Janie sitting up in heaven tonight so proud that their boy is going to pastor a church. I'm sure Brother Billy 
and Miss Johnsey Lyles sitting up in heaven tonight. Brother Baker said, you know, behind every good man surprised mother-in-law, I think Miss Johnsey's just surprised to death that Brother Greg's been called to preach and is going to pastor a church. But this family has great longevity in our church. And so I said this is bittersweet, and it is because, you know, they've been here forever, and I love them dearly, and I think they love me, and now we're having to let them go. So I just said that to say to this Blackwater, if y'all ain't good to them, we're just going to come up and move them back down here. Got to have an amen. And uh, so please be good to God's man, and I know you will. And I thank the Lord for how he put all that together. Well, my time is short. It's already 621, and I'm going to do my best to get you out of here at the regular time. Uh, could I just say tonight is the 11th time in my 24 years that I've been the pastor here. This is the 11th time that we have come together in a service like this to send out one of our men, along with his wife, to pastor a church. You know, really, there's a great honor. There is a great honor uh, in this as, as a church family, as Woodland, to think that God would reach down into our ranks, call a man to preach, and then in the process of time, open a door for that man to exercise the call that God has placed upon his life. That is indeed an honor for our church. Every time we send one of these men out to pastor a church somewhere, they take a little piece of woodland with them. Now, of course, I get it. We always tell our young men, told Brother Sam, whatever you do, don't try to go down there and make out a woodland Baptist church. That's not God's plan. And I believe that with all my heart. You get into trouble if you try to change one church into another church. That's not our intentions here. But I do think as Brother Greg leaves us that he carries a little bit with him of our church, for crying out loud, been here 60 years, our mannerisms, our methods, and maybe he can carry something with him, a little bit of the spirit of woodland, and take that with them and maybe use some of the things in the days to come to be a blessing at Blackwater Baptist Church. I appreciate the words of Brother Baker tonight and the charge that he gave to the, uh, to the church there regarding Brother Greg, their pastor, and truly he is a gift from God to Blackwater Baptist Church. I believe that, but by the way, can I tell you this, he's not only God's gift to that church. But guess what? He's God's angel to that church as well. That's right. Did you know one of the words that God uses to, uh, as, as a pastor to call a pastor is the word angel? You read over in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and it keeps saying, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, to the angel of the church of fire. And that means the messenger of that church. So Brother Greg is God's gift to Blackwater Baptist Church, but he's also God's angel, God's messenger to that church. Boy, you better be careful how you treat God's gift and how you treat God's angel. Well, my part tonight is to preach to Brother Greg about the responsibilities of being a pastor. I ask you to open your Bible tonight to 1 Kings chapter 18, and uh, which has to be one of the most fascinating, yet one of the most familiar stories in all the Bible. It's the story of Elijah, the man of God, on, uh, on top of Mount Carmel, and a showdown that he had with some of the false prophets of Baal. Boy, it's one of those fascinating, one of those fast-moving kinds of a story. The nation, as a background of this text, has sure drifted away from God. Under the leadership of Ahab and Jezebel, the worship of Baal has been brought into the nation of Israel. Baal was a, was a god that was left over from the Canaanite culture that occupied the land before the nation of Israel got there. He was called the bull god because he was, if you ever saw Baal, he was in the form of that like a bull. And he was a symbol of fertility. Now, of course, being a symbol of fertility, you can just imagine all that was in 
included in the worship of, of Baal, all the uh, depravity and the immorality that was involved in the worship of Baal, let alone the fact that later on they incorporated into that the sacrificing of their children, offering their children in the fire to this false god to the, by the name of Baal. And, and, and hard to believe, and yet it's true, the nation of Israel had fallen into that scenario. They had began to worship this false god by the name of Baal. Really, they're confused about it. According to verse 21 of our text tonight, 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah calls upon them to make a choice. Now look, if Baal's going to be God, then you need to serve him. But if God be God, then follow, then follow him. And he calls upon the nation to make a choice. You know, our nation's getting ready to make a choice. In the next nine days or so, we're getting ready to make a choice. And God's prophet was calling upon the nation to make a choice. So Elijah comes to Mount Carmel. He's going to settle the matter once and for all. And boy, was the matter settled in a great way. And it all began, began with these words. Look at 1 Kings 18 and look, if you will, at verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, and here's what I want you to see. God came to Elijah, and he said, Elijah, go, and I've got these words underlined, circled in my Bible. Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab. And boy, can I say this? God said, okay, Elijah, it's time now for you to go show yourself. And boy, did Elijah show himself in a big way. He went up on top of that mountain. He was full of the peace of God. He was full of the passion of God. He was full of the power of God. And by the way, boy, don't our world need some old-fashioned men of God that are full of the peace of God, full of the passion of God, and full of the power of God in our day. I really believe with all my heart that Elijah's peace came from his confidence in God. He'd been spending some time with God back in chapter 17. And he came to understand that God could do anything that God wanted to do. His peace came from his confidence in God. His passion came from his conviction of God. Elijah was a man whose eyes were full of uh, a fire and his mouth was like an erupting volcano because he wanted people to know. He was passionate about the nation getting to know the real the true the living and the only God that there is and his power came from his continuance with God he had walked with God and God had put his power upon Elijah boy do we need some men of God in our day ladies and gentlemen I invite both of our churches here tonight to pray for the preacher pray for your preacher to have confidence pray for your preacher to have conviction pray for your preacher to have continuance with God. God said, Elijah, I want you to go show yourself. And boy, did Elijah show himself on top of that mountain that day. I mean, buddy, you talk about those false prophets of Baal had built their altar and they had put their sacrifice on the altar and they prayed from morning until the evening sacrifice. And they jumped up and down and they cut themselves and they were calling upon a God that would not answer because he could not answer. He may have had ears, but he couldn't hear. Amen. He may have had eyes, but he couldn't see. He may have had some hands, but he couldn't touch. And buddy, they had prayed and prayed. They jumped up and down, had a contemporary service on top of the mountain, and there was no fire to that kind of a service. So Elijah said, all right, boy, step aside now. 
And they moved aside. He, re he rebuilt the altar. The Bible said that he prayed, put the sacrifice on there, and he prayed 63 words, and the fire of God fell. Oh, don't we need the fire of God to fall once again. Amen. The fire of God fell. And at the end of this chapter, over about verse number 39, those people are so convinced that Baal is not a God and God is the real God that they're saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Boy, what a text. Elijah, go show yourself. Brother Greg, go show yourself. But now I want you to go back to chapter 17 for just a moment. And I want to show you what the Word of God has to say, Brother Greg, and that's this. Before he ever told Elijah to go show himself, God first of all told Elijah to go hide himself. Now look in our text, 1 Kings 17, verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and, say it with me, hide thyself. In other words, before God ever said to Elijah, Go up yonder and show yourself, God said, Elijah, I want you to come aside for just a little while and I want you to hide yourself. You see, God will never tell any of us to go show ourselves until first of all we've spent some time hiding ourselves. Can I tell you that the key to having the peace of God, the passion for God and the power of God, the key to all that is to get alone with God. You know, every preacher in America, before God says, go show yourself on Sunday, he says, go hide yourself on Monday. Amen. Hide yourself on Tuesday. Hide yourself on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Go hide yourself. Get along with me. Seek my face. Seek my peace, my power, my passion. Get along by yourself. Hide yourself. And then on Sunday, he says, all right, now, get up yonder and show yourself. I tell you, we need some preachers in America that will get up on Sunday morning and show themselves because every other day during the week, they've been hiding themselves. And Brother Greg, the greatest advice that I know to give you as you head off to pastor that church, buddy, get up on Sunday morning and show yourself, but unto God, Monday through Saturday, find you a place somewhere and hide yourself. Can I say that's a difficult thing to do? Preacher, Brother Baker's already talked about that. One of the most difficult things that any preacher will do is to find time to hide himself. It's a battle. I mean, there is so much, so many things that pull on you in a constant manner, so many things that clamor for your attention. And here's the thing about it. They're not bad things. I mean, hey, I get it. Mowing the churchyard's important. Nobody wants to come to church, got a weeds in the front yard, growed up over the porch. Nobody wants to come to church where the vines is growing up. Yeah, I get all that. I mean, hey, visiting the hospital is important. Uh, as, as our people go to the hospital, I think they want to see the preacher once in a while. And going to the hospital is important. Preaching funerals and marrying people are important. Sitting in the office and trying to straighten out a bunch of messes sometimes is important. But I'm here to tell you, bless your heart, Brother Greg, winning souls is important. Baptizing converts is important. But I'm here to tell you, there's nothing more important in the world than for a preacher to hide himself. God will never, ever say go show yourself till he first of all says go hide yourself. So I want to just tonight, Brother Greg, at 632, I want to say three things you need to, three places you need to hide yourself. 
and, uh, and then I'll be done. Here we go. Number one, Brother Greg, hide yourself in prayer. Hide yourself in prayer. Can I just encourage you, Brother Greg, and you, I know you do this, but I mean you have, need to have a set time in your life every day that you get along with God and just pray. Here's what I found to help me. I don't know about y'all, but I get distracted when I pray. Are y'all like me? I'll pray a while, and first thing I know, I'm starting to preach. Now, you may not have that problem, but I'll pray a little bit, and first thing you know, I'm just rearing people out, going down the road, preaching against this and that and the other. And my mind gets so easily distracted that I found the thing that keeps me on target as I pray is to have a list. That's the reason when you get an old Gertrude out there, pull her visor down, and a list will fall out because that's the list. Every morning as I head to the hospital, I go through a list that I pray for every day. That's my daily time, uh, along with, you know, fussing at people for cutting me off, running me off the road, whatever, uh, I pray as I head to the hospital. That's my private time to get alone with God. Brother Greg, get your prayer list. Put your people at your church name on your prayer list. And, and it keeps you from getting, to pra uh, getting distracted while you pray. Hide yourself in prayer. Somebody once said this, they may spurn our appeals. They may reject our message. They may uh, oppose our arguments. They may despise our person, but they're helpless against our prayers. You know, I have, I have as a pastor preached some of our problems away. I've done that before. I've gotten the pulpit. You didn't even know I was doing it. What, what I was doing, you thought, well, that's an odd message, but you didn't know that I knew there were some things going on in our church and I preached some of the problems right out of the church. But can I tell you something? More often than not, I prayed more away than I preached away. You do understand there's things that goes on in a church family. You're not, you don't even know what's going on. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in here you're not privy to. Sometimes I may get up and just go off on something. You're probably sitting there scratching your head like, what in the world? Has he lost his mind? Nope, I'm trying to preach away some problems. But I'm going to tell you something. I found it better if you can pray them away. Brother Greg, the greatest thing you can do, I mean, when problems arise, and they will. You know why? People are people and nothing more. God is God and nothing less. But I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to pray the problems away. Brother Greg, hide yourself in prayer. Number two, hide yourself in preparation. Hide yourself in preparation. Fill your heart and your mind with the Word of God. Listen to others preach. I go down. My, I've still got one of them old cassette players on my daddy's truck and on Gertrude too. Hers don't work as good anymore. But I get these old cassettes right here. And I got drawers of them that I took out from the old church when we moved away from that. And I'll get these old cassettes and I'll pop them in, go up and down the road and listen to preaching. You know why? I need some preaching. I don't need just to constantly be giving out. I need to get some preaching myself. So I'll pop some of those cassettes in, go up and down the road, and they'll just preach and preach and preach. You know why? I need preaching. I write down other men's outlines. Don't ever be afraid to take another man's stick and beat on the devil with it. I'll write their outlines down. Hey, there is nothing new under the sun. Amen. I mean, it ain't nothing that hadn't already been preached in that Bible before. If anybody ever gets up and says, hey, I want to declare a new truth from you, let me tell you something. If it's, if it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. Amen. Write down sermons. 
Go to revival meetings. Write down outlines. Read books. Read the newspaper. Get illustrations. Keep your mind fresh, brother. Uh, fresh with a, a preparing to preach the Word of God. I'll tell you the most important. My preacher told me the most important thing that any pastor can do is preach. That's right. He said, your job is to feed those sheep. Have something to give them when they come to the house of God. I don't know about you, but I get in my office and ride up down the road and I pray every week, oh God, give me some fresh bread. When we come to church, I hope you smell it when you get out of the car, but that God's given us some fresh bread around here, something to preach about. Hey, I don't want to preach because I have to say something. I want to preach because I've got something to say. But I've got to hide myself. In preparation, get along with God. Read my Bible. Read books. Saturate my mind with the Word of God. Brother Gross gave me some great advice years ago. When I came, I was just 33. And when I came here, he said, let me tell you something, Brother Tim. Fill your mind with the Word of God while you're young because when you get old, you'll draw from it. Buddy, I want to tell you something. I'm getting older now, and I'm starting to draw from all of that that I've tried to tuck away in my mind all these years. Brother Greg, hide yourself in preparation. Hide yourself in prayer. But let me just close with this. Hide yourself in preaching. You know, now I'm, I'm a little bit older than some of y'all and maybe not as old as some of y'all. But I was brought up in church from the time I came into this world. And I remember some of the things the old timers used to say. I, how many of y'all remember this? If you've been in church any amount of time, you ever heard one of those old timers when they're praying right before the preaching start? They'll say, help him, God, as he breaks the bread of life. You ever heard that before? Help him, Lord, as he breaks the bread of life. Then I've heard this one. Oh, God, put him under the spout where the glory comes out. You've heard that one before, haven't you? Hey, what about this? God bless him as he comes in and goes out before his people. All those old-timer statements. But here's one. You don't hear it much anymore. Right? Somebody will call. They'll call on somebody to pray right before the preacher gets, and they'll say, Oh, God, hide him behind the cross. That's what preaching is. Hey, hide us behind the cross. God, keep us out of the way. God, may we just point men and women and boys to girls to you. And God, if anything happens with eternal significance, God, you'll have to do it. So keep us out of the way. Let's step back into the, the shadows. Let's put Jesus out in the spotlight. Let's hide ourselves. Thank God for people who have encouraging words and come by and say every once in a while an encouraging thing to the pastor. But let me say this. If there's any praise to God be the glory, great things he hath done. It's because of him, hide yourself in preaching. Now I got one thing to say and I'm done and that's this. Brother Greg, don't let your failures get to your heart but don't let your successes get to your head. Can I tell you something? 25 years almost I've been here at this church. 24, I'm finishing 24 and uh, we'll see about that 25th one. But uh, 24 years, can I tell you something? 24 years, boy have I made some big mistakes. I'll just be honest with you. If I could go back and redo some things during this 24 years, I'd do them because there's been some times, I'm just being honest, that I've that I failed. I really have. If I could go back and handle some situations differently, I would. If I could handle some people differently, I believe I would. I, I would do, undo some things that I have done. I have, I, have, I have tried some things, I'm just being honest with you, that's been mortal failures. But I'd rather try and fail than fail and never try. But don't let your, you're going you're gonna to try things, Brother Greg, and it ain't going to work. 
You're going to handle some situations that maybe you handled them wrong. But don't let those failures get to your heart. And don't let those successes get to your head. Brother, I'm telling you, the best of us, dust. Amen? Best of us. I'm talking about preachers. The best of us are just a zero with the rim knocked off. If we're anything, it's because of God. And to God be the glory for what he does. Hide yourself in your preaching. Well, if we're ever going to show ourselves, Brother Sam, we're going to have to hide ourselves. I want you to bow your head with me, if you will. Brother Greg, if you'll come up tonight, I'm going to get Brother Greg to come forward, and, and I'm going to get him to kneel down here. I'm going to ask all of our ordained preachers and deacons to come forward tonight as well. And so if all you preachers, your ordained preachers and deacons, if y'all come, Brother Greg, if you'll just kneel right there. And we're going to put our hands upon him tonight and pray over him. This is scriptural. You know, Paul said in 1 Timothy 5, lay hands suddenly on no man. But I haven't examined him and watched his life through these years. We've watched him and found him to be faithful. We have. And so we're going to do what God says. We're going to lay our hands upon him, signifying our approval. Now let me tell you something. God's already approved of him. God's the one called him. He's already been ordained in heaven. But this is just a little symbolically way, symbolic way of us saying God's approved him. We approve him. We pray God's blessings upon him. All right? Well, honey, Sandy, would you come up here? Miss Renee, would you come up here for just a minute as well? Uh, would you come over here just a minute, honey? And I want you to pray for Miss Renee, if you will, as the preacher's wife. Would you come over here, Miss Renee? I mean, do we have any other preacher's wives in here tonight? I mean, anybody else got a, anybody's wife in here is a preacher? No. No, that didn't come out quite right. Never let your failures get to your heart. Is anybody wife in here whose husband is a preacher? That sounds a little better. There you go, Miss Baker. Miss, uh, where's Miss Sarah at? Miss Sarah, you come up here. Now, if I have to start calling them, we're going to be in a mess. There you go. Y'all come on now. Y'all come on. And we're going to get y'all to pray over Miss Renee as well because if he's going to be a success, it's going to be because she's got a good wife at home that's pulling for him. There you go. Y'all come on. And Miss Renee, they're going to pray for you, and we're going to pray for Brother Greg. Let's put our hands upon him. No, we got COVID. We're going to trust God not to give it to him. All right? And y'all pray there in your seat, and we're just going to all pray together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege once again to have one of our men out of our church be called by God to pastor another church. Lord, for these many times we've gathered with various men in our church, many of which are pastoring and preaching, even as I speak. God, thank you for loving our church enough to raise up men here. I'm glad we got a church that's got an atmosphere in it where men can feel the tug and the call to preach. And God, here's another one now, Brother Greg. I pray your blessings upon him. Lord, I hear him talk. I know he has big plans. I know he's already got a vision of that church growing and reaching people. I know they've already spent time knocking on doors in that community and mailing out flyers and trying to reach people. But God, only we can water and sow. Only you can give the increase. So I want to pray that you'd bless this ministry there. Thank you for Brother Crotz and all those years he labored there. But now Brother Crotz is no longer able to do that. I pray for Brother Greg. God, give him the power and the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge that he's going to need going forward. God, use him, I pray, for your honor and glory. 
And I pray that every week he would just hide himself in a time of prayer, that he'd hide himself in his office or in a room somewhere and get his mind full of the Word of God. I pray he'd hide himself when he preaches. And then I pray on Sunday morning, get up and show himself. God, you'd show yourself in the behalf of him. God, that you'd work in that place and build a work there, save souls, use that church as a lighthouse in that community. Bless his life and his ministry. Help Miss Renee. God, I pray for her. Lord, encourage her heart. Bless her. Keep her encouraged so she'll keep him encouraged. I pray for the children. I pray for Ryan and Austin and Stacy, their families. God, what an important part they play in the ministry of their dad. God, help them as well. Touch their hearts. Help them, I pray, to be the people that they have been raised to be by this couple. Bless their lives now. Bless our church. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.